Well, we live in a very insecure world. It's always been this way, but it always comes as a surprise to us when we realize again and again that our world is very insecure, that there are very few places of true refuge from the storms of our lives. And I want to consider two verses from the Bible this evening that I found in Proverbs chapter 18 and verses 10 and 11. I believe they're going to appear on the screen behind us. They say this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. The writer of those two verses was a king called Solomon, and he often found himself in perilous places. Like his father before him, many were trying to depose him from his kingly throne. Not just enemies outside of his kingdom, who you'd expect to be attacking him, but even from within his own nation. People were trying to overcome him and beat him. But the danger that he faced wasn't just from outside, from people around him or the nations surrounding. His greatest danger came from within, just as it does for each one of us. He was a danger to himself. And in the end, it caused him significant catastrophe. The danger was he had untold wealth. He had beautiful possessions. He had an expansive family. He was constantly tempted by the things that he owned and had and enjoyed to destroy his own life in the pursuit of further riches. The world is often a harsh and dangerous place to be. And that may come from our own great wealth or our own poverty. It can come whether we are people who live on our own or surrounded by an expansive family. It can come whether we live in a harsh and controlling nation or whether we live in a free and wealthy society. No one ever has found themselves in an entirely safe place because we live in a world of wars, rumors of wars. We gain and lose friends like the wind. Sickness and pain come our way unexpectedly. Financial crashes happen to a nation. Even wealthy nations find that overnight almost, people can find themselves destitute and afraid. But like Solomon, the danger is not always caused by others. We are often our own worst enemies. We bring catastrophe upon ourselves and the people around us. We were danger to society. We were danger to ourselves. And it's all caused by our pride and our selfishness as we seek to gain things and objects and people for ourselves and push others down. We sin against others around us. But most of all, we sin against God, our maker. For in fighting others, in being a danger to ourselves and others, we are fighting against the one who made us. We have brought danger to the world by striking out against the Lord himself, by ignoring his 
commands, by living in a way that is dishonoring to the one who made us in his image. And so, our greatest danger comes ultimately from God. God is a just and holy judge. Just as a judge turns against the convict, as a nation fights against the aggressor who seeks to destroy them, so the Lord is a dangerous God to those who have turned against him. Scripture says this, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Remember my car getting broken into often when I first had a car in Swansea, almost every week, somebody smashed the window, try and grab the radio or whatever. And I put a sticker, a sticker on the front dashboard. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. The Lord sees, they never put them off, but at least they got convicted while doing it. But uh, the, uh, the Lord sees, he knows us through and through. He knows the wickedness of our hearts, the selfishness of our ways. Whether we like it or not, the greatest danger comes not from others or even from ourselves, but because of the way we have lived, our greatest danger is from the God, the just and holy one of heaven. King David, the father of the man who wrote these words, once wrote this, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. What a shock this might be for us tonight, with maybe a misunderstanding of God as uh, uncaring, disinterested in our sins, overlooking them, not taking them seriously and not seeing what we have done. But we are in mortal danger, not just from others or from ourselves, but ultimately, says King David and King Solomon, from the God who knows everything about us, our past, our present, our future, our public actions, our private thoughts. He knows everything. And there ought to be in us tonight a holy fear of God because we have all sinned and we have all fallen far, far short of his perfect standards for which he made us. Each of us, says the Bible, have turned to our own way. We fought against the creator who made us to know and love him. We've imagined, perhaps, that he would turn a blind eye to it all, but he hasn't. He has seen, he has looked upon our evil. He has turned against us as a just and holy enemy. We live in real and present danger from God. And while we might be able to hide from other enemies and overcome some of our dangers, we cannot hide ourselves from him. So where do we turn for refuge? Where do we go for safety? If the world is against us, if we are against ourselves, if God is against us, where can we go for refuge? Well, many look to this world to find safety in this world, but it's a risky strategy. Do you see what our text in Proverbs 18 says? That many think that wealth, 
will bring safety in this world. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. And of course, wealth can bring a measure of relief from some of the harshest realities of our world. But it's a wholly insufficient place of refuge. If that's what your longing is tonight, if you say, one day I will be rich and I will be safe, Solomon says it's a foolish place to go. This is a, it's a fickle castle. It's a muddy foundation upon which to build your life. What if financial crash comes? What if bankruptcy springs upon you? What if there's an unexpected bill or a fraudster steals all your money or you make an error with your cash and you lose it in a moment, you put all your hope in it? There's my refuge. You lose it all in a moment. Some build their hopes and security on finances. Others build their hopes and dreams on the next political leader, if, if only so-and-so got into power, I would be secure in my life. And then they get into power and they make catastrophic errors. They commit moral failures and the whole thing falls apart. Some find refuge in family and friendships. If only I had this friend, that family. Others find it in ambitions and employment. But all historically have proven to be unsure places of refuge. To find security, Solomon is saying, from this world's troubles and from God and from ourselves is a foolish choice. It's like trying to find security in the fraudster that rings you up asking for money and offering you the world. He offers you everything. He says, if you give me this, then you can have everything. And we say, I find security in you. And the world is like that. It offers so much. You give your life to the world. You put your hope and dreams in your future. You'll find a wonderful life if you just ignore God and give yourself to this world. You do it, but it's deceived you. It's defrauded you. It's taken everything from you. This world has not got the ability to grant us the refuge that we desire from the world or ourselves or from God. Neither do we personally have that ability. We try our best to keep ourselves safe. We might become religious and say, if I'm religious and store up treasures in pension schemes and saving accounts, uh, then I'll be safe. From religion, from my own financial abilities. We might have a high belief in our own desires and abilities. We might have a, sec a self-confidence second to none. I can do this. I am a safe refuge myself. Nobody else is going to help me. I can help myself. Yet in reality, we are all like sheep. I remember driving as a child through a country lane and uh, came across this sheep, just got his head stuck in the fence. My dad got out of the car, he used to be a sheep farmer, and he pulled the sheep out from the fence, got it out, and it just ran off and then into another fence. It's like, oh, what is it doing? Silly sheep runs into another fence, bashes its head against this fence, and we have to rescue it again and again. We're, we're like that, says the Bible. We're all like sheep going astray, unwittingly wandering to, to dangerous cliffs, not running away from wolves, running to get our heads stuck in the fences around us. 
We make bad saviors of ourselves. Because the harder we try, the sillier we are, and the worse the outcome. We are bad saviors. And the longer we live, and I'm old enough to know this for myself, we realize our own inability to provide ourselves with a place of refuge from the world or from our own wayward hearts and certainly from God. So where do we find refuge? If the world can't offer us refuge, if we can't provide ourselves security, where do we go? Well, there's safety, says Solomon, in the name of the Lord God. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, he says. The safest place to go in the dangers of the world around us, the greatest refuge when our own sinfulness brings great peril to our soul, the most sure protection from God, the just warrior, is, perhaps surprisingly, in God himself. God is the refuge. For he has promised that those who draw near to him, that he will draw near to them. We, if you've lived in Wales any length of time, you know that Wales is filled with castles. Everywhere you go, and you go to Ogmore by sea, there's a, a fine example of a, a stone keep, a mini castle where the lord of the land at the time, he built up these towers and thick walls to protect himself from the peasants like us outside and then he'd live in there and sleep in there, and there'd be guards at the door, and he'd be, he'd be able to sleep secure, knowing that his, even if the people came to there, they'd never get in. He could sleep there with his family and his friends because he was surrounded by a castle. This is the idea here of the safety. There's a place of refuge in the Lord, but it's much better than a castle in Wales. The idea in our text is this. It's is a place of refuge. Because in the Old Testament, where this passage is found, there were six cities of refuge set up by the Lord around the land, where people who unwittingly, accidentally killed someone, they could run and flee from justice, not from justice, but from the people who were trying to take revenge. They could flee to the city of refuge, and they'd run there, and in the walls they'd find security until the judge came along to try their case and say, look, it's an accident. You didn't mean it. And yes, they're safe in this place of refuge. They were secure. God looked after them in the place of refuge. Here we are told that this is the kind of safe place when we've sinned, whether knowingly or accidentally, when we have turned against God, we can come to God and find in him a place of safety and refuge. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. What's in a name? What's in a name? Well, everything is in a name. When I say someone's name, if you know them, you'll think of everything about them. Their strength, their weaknesses, their character their history. If I were to list some names, you would immediately think of their character. If I said Adolf Hitler, lots of things would suddenly spring to your mind. If I said Winston Churchill, Boris Johnson, Liz Truss, whatever, whatever name, the name of your friend, think. 
you, all of their character would suddenly spring to mind and you say, that's the character of the person. Well, those names all conjure up specific things, good or evil, about that person. The name of the Lord being a strong tower is a remarkable way to think about the safest place in the universe because he has many names to describe who he is. Many names. No single name could ever do God justice. In fact, the Bible records almost a thousand different names given to God. He is the creator. He's the sustainer of the universe. He is the eternal I am, never changing, always dependable. He is God Almighty, the one who is strong and powerful enough to carry out his own will. He's called the provider, gives and gives and gives again. He's the saviour who rescues. He's the good shepherd who leads and guides and protects. He's called the Lord, our righteousness, that those who come to him in all their imperfections and sins can have their lives transformed, be forgiven and renewed, declared right before him. He's the judge. He's the holy one. He's the rescuer. He is the lamb of God who lays down his life for us. He is Jesus, the saviour of sinners, born to rescue. He is the son of God, raised to new life on the third day. The Bible records a thousand names to describe the trustworthiness, the power, the grace, the, the thoughtfulness, the care of the living God. No wonder Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When we think of other people's names, we think of a few different random things about them. But when we think of the Lord, we think of someone entirely dependable, full of grace, full of truth, full of thoughtfulness and care. Whatever we are in need of, we can come to him and find in him enough. We can find enough grace, enough forgiveness, enough strength for another day. We know that he can accomplish what he promises because he is the Lord. The name of the Lord encompasses who he is. So if we're in danger from the world, then we realize that He's the creator of the world, the one who gives breath to the world, the sustainer of the world, the one who keeps the circle of the earth spinning on its axis. He is the Lord of heaven. If we are in trouble in the world, we can come to the creator. If we're in trouble from ourselves and realize that we are just sheep wandering stupidly to every possible danger, we say, he is the great shepherd. He can guide me to safe pastures, to green pastures, by still waters. He is the one who will take up his rod and his staff and protect me from the dangers of the wolves and guide me from cliffs to the place of safety. And if we're in danger from God, we realize that he is just and the justifier. He is the judge and the savior of sinners. That yes, we're in danger from him, but God rescues us from his own justice. That his son has bled and died 
upon a cross to buy my pardon, to bring me forgiveness. Yes, our greatest danger both in this life and the next is from the holy God of heaven. The one who fights against us in our sin and rebellion. But he's also the one that promises that those who flee to him will find forgiveness, will be reunited with him. His wrath will be turned away. His anger will be dealt with at the cross. And we will find mercy and compassion for our soul. This is what the city of refuge is for. This is what the tower is for. God in his justice knows that we are guilty of all the sins that we have ever committed. But if we come to him and he takes that justice off our head, places on, on the head of his son, his son deals with it justly at the cross so that justice is carried out, but also forgiveness for us. Our pardon has been brought. This is what Jesus was accomplishing. This is what we'll be remembering at Christmas. Christ come to earth to bleed and die. That people like us might be reconciled to God through the death of his son. This was God opening wide the doors of heaven and saying, come in. Find in me a place of safety, eternal safety. Not just in this life, but for the next. This was God saying, come rebel to my tower for refuge. Here you will find eternal security for your soul, both in this life and forevermore. Here you will never be lost, never perish, never be in mortal danger again. It is perhaps not surprising that when we do evil, we know that God is angry with us. In, in our heart of hearts, we say, God, who made me, is angry with me. And we presume from that he doesn't want to ever know us again. Why would he want to know me? Why would he care for me? But in this verse, we discover that he is a gracious God, a refuge from his own just and holy anger against us. He's willing to forgive us for whatever we have done, whatever crimes have gone, even undetected, forgives us. That evil thought that nobody else knows about, he can forgive us. That history, that future plan that we have, that present situation we find ourselves in, he is the refuge that we can run to and find safety in. One of the first books I ever read was the remarkable story of Corrie ten Boom. I remember reading it and being really impacted by the way in which Forgive, forgiveness could be found in the one who had been sinned against. Uh, if you know Corrie ten Boom, she was um, in the Second World War and she was arrested by the Nazis for hiding Jews in her home and uh, sent to a concentration camp, Ravensburg camp. And she barely survived. All her family died in that camp. Her sister died. And in, in, the, wars, in the years after the war, she traveled Germany and elsewhere in Europe, sharing her faith in Christ, telling people of what the Lord Jesus had done for her in forgiving her. And in 1947, she was speaking in a church in Munich, 
And she noticed at the back of the room, a balding man in a gray overcoat. She immediately recognized him. A Nazi uh, war commander, a, a, a guard in the camp where she had been. He'd been a particularly brutal guard, beaten her family, been involved in the death of her sister. She could hardly carry on speaking because as she saw him, just her emotions ran riot. But at the end of the talk, he came directly to her. He thrust his hand out to shake her hand. And he said to her, thank you for your fine message. How wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And Corey said, yes, that's what I said. She'd spoken so easily of God's forgiveness, but here was the man who she had despised, one that she'd condemned with every fiber of her being, the one who she couldn't cope looking at. She couldn't take his hand. She couldn't extend forgiveness to this Nazi oppressor. She realized that this man didn't remember her. How, how would he remember someone among thousands? And he said to her, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there. I'm ashamed to admit it, he said, but it's true. But since then, I've come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's been hard for me to forgive myself for the cruel things that I did. But I know that God has forgiven me. And please, he said, if you would, I would like to hear from your lips too that God has forgiven me. If you read her book, this is what she writes. I stood there, his hand still extended. I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven, could not forgive. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. But I had to do it. I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one who stretched it out to me. And as I did, she says, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, she writes, we grasped each other's hands. This former guard and the former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. You see, our greatest place of safety and refuge is to be found in the very ones we have sinned against. For the Nazi guard, that was Corrie and the Lord of heaven. For us, we might never be forgiven by others. But remarkably, it doesn't matter what we have done. The Lord will welcome us in. Say, I'll forgive you. I welcome you. I extend my arm. I drag you in to the place of refuge. So how do we enter his safety? Well, we are told two things here. We must be righteous and we must run. To be righteous means to be declared right with God through the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. 
It is not something we can do ourselves, but it's something that we can receive from God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we turn from our sin in repentance, we say, I hate the sins of the past. I bring them to the foot of the cross. I lay them before you, God. Will you forgive me? Will you wash me clean? Will you make me right before you? God will come. He promises to come, declare us righteous before him, right before him. So in response, he says, Solomon says, don't delay, but run to the arms of God. Don't drag your feet, but flee as fast as you can to him. Without delay, come to God tonight. And him, in him, find a place of safety, reconciliation, forgiveness, renewal, security, eternally in the Lord Jesus. Temptation for all of us is always to leave it to another time, to delay, to try and find somehow hope in the world and then in ourselves before ever running to God. But here Solomon says, run, run to the place of refuge, run to God. Don't delay, don't drag back. Now is the acceptable time, says God's word. Now is the day of salvation that we come and say, I cannot delay. I've sinned against heaven and against earth. I've sinned against people and against my maker, but I run to him. He is a strong tower, place of refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. In whatever our situation tonight, whether if we do not know Christ, if we are far from him, if we're not a Christian, this passage says, come to him, come to him. If we are already a Christian, the passage says the same, come to him in all the insecurities of life all the uncertainties and all the gains and losses in all our own heartaches and unsureties come to the name of the Lord. Run to him, whatever our situation, we will find eternal safety, a place of refuge, a place of peace, a place of renewal, a place of forgiveness. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. We're going to sing a hymn to close that reminds us that God is our refuge in each deep distress. That through floods and flames, he will lead us safely on. The hymn is called Immortal Honours Rest on Jesus' Head. So let's stand and sing this. And as we do, would you run to him and find refuge in him?